Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2021 Director of Virtual Programs for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. And I'm Leticia Niago, Vice President of Learning. Hey, everybody. I'm Stephanie Hubka, the 2021 Vice President of Finance. We also have Helena Hodges, Director of Technology and Operations, as our producer. Now, for this episode, we are interviewing the CEO of Duets Learning and the author of Story Training, Selecting and Shaping Stories That Connect an accomplished learning and development professional with over 20 years of experience in the talent development industry, Hadia Nuridin. Welcome, Hadia. Thank you for having me. Before we jump into our topic of strategies for designing and developing learning scenarios, please share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Sure. Um, as you've mentioned, I started um, learning training and development about 20 years ago. Actually, started my career in computer tech support, even though I had a degree in English, but it was the 90s and anyone with a head who could hold a headset and who could talk <laughs> could be in technical support. Uh, they really needed people back then. So that's sort of where my, my story started. And, you know, technical support back then anyway, um, was a lot of training. It was a lot of sitting next to people and teaching them how to navigate Windows 3.1 and Windows 95, dating myself on that. Oh, my um, goodness. And, uh, you know, I thought, oh, maybe, you know, this is a, a profession I want to get into. So um, I got into training and development and the rest is history. I decided to specialize in instructional design. And I've been working internal. I worked internally for about, I don't know. I'm losing count of what time is. Um, about <laughs> I'm right there years, with you. <laughs> something like that. But I know that I went on my own and started my own company uh, in 10 years ago um, when I started full time um, after I left my um, last full time job. And I've been doing it ever since in a variety of different roles, learning strategy, um, instructional design, e-learning development. All three of those are my bread and butter. I also do a lot of um, speaking and writing as well. Well, and I'm excited to learn more about scenarios in particular today. So let's just, let's start with what are the benefits of using stories and scenarios in training? Well, um, a couple of them. One is um, a big focus that we, we talk a lot about, which is transfer. And the more authentic the experience is that you can create for the learner within the learning experience, the more likely they are to be able to um, reproduce those behaviors outside of the classroom because they'll recognize the situation that they're in. Um, you know, because ultimately what you, what you want a learner to feel, not that I took this training, that I did this exercise, but that I did this thing. I actually gave this employee feedback and managed how they would respond. I actually ran through the performance management pro, um, process in real time of actually what that would look like, um, as opposed to I did a couple of different exercises and I got a couple of questions correct. You want to create this immersive experience as much as you can and present them with some situation that's sort of problem-based learning where 
just like they, just like it would happen in real life. You know, you don't get, um, <laughs> you don't start your day when someone says, these are your learning objectives for today. And this is how you're going to, uh, this is the, the situation you're going to navigate and here are the skills to do it. You're thrown into that situation and you have to navigate it yourself and learning along the way. And so trying to mimic that is um, one thing that scenarios um, does really well. But another one is that it just, they're far more engaging, um, especially when you can use those storytelling strategies to help learners feel empathy for the characters um, um, that they're seeing, but more importantly, recognize themselves, you know, where they uh, feel a connection to these characters. I was in that situation before. I lived that before. Let me help this character navigate this situation um, because ultimately these characters are usually some sort of proxy for the learner themselves. So I would say transfer and overall engagement are the two big ones. I love that. And I love that you mentioned empathy as well as, I mean, they're able to practice these skills in a safe environment, but they're close to real world, which is really cool. Yeah. That authenticity is is really key for them to be able to say, now I know how to do this. I, I always say, um, my example is always Microsoft Excel. Like no one wants to learn Microsoft Excel. Like who cares? <laughs> what people want to do is manage a budget. What people want to do is manage a project plan and Excel is the tool, so be it. So you train them not by doing the old um, A to Z of the file menu. You train them by presenting them with a problem, with a scenario and using this tool, Excel, to, to resolve that problem because that's how they're going to use it in real life. I love that. Well, and so that's a technical one uh, example. So I work in the soft skills environment. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're working on a new training and you want to incorporate scenarios and storytelling into it. How do you find the right story to tell, like maybe in the soft skills environment? Where do you start? I always say you start with the people. And unfortunately, what we often do is start and stay with the content. It's not about compliance training. You know, it is about people complying. It's not about this feedback model. It is about people trying to navigate the feedback process using this model. So it's taking this people-centered approach and using that as the focus of um, how you're going to build out this class. Now, to be realistic, obviously, uh, you still have objectives to meet. You still have content that you have to push out. So that's always going to be the focus. But if you're talking about stories and scenarios when you're trying to make it real, you have to go back to those subject matter experts and say, thank you for this huge binder of information. I love it so much. <laughs> However, what I'm more interested in, if we do want to use storytelling, which is not always the strategy you want to use, but if we are going to use it, I need you to tell me about a time where you use this content or you could have used this content, but you couldn't or you didn't. What are the pain points? What are the struggles? What are the, the questions? What are the problems that this material could help you solve if you knew it? That is what I need in order to build some scenario so that those learners can feel that same way. So I always say, yes, you have to understand the content. Obviously, it can't be this um, interpretive dance of a class. I mean, it really does have to be, you know, 
based in those foundations. But, um, you know, you always start, I always start with trying to make my objectives people centered. So I start off from the beginning of what people are doing. Um, but really the, the power is in within the people, the stories are in with the people. So trying to tap into how they're living day to day with this content is how you're going to be able to unearth and reveal those stories. Ooh. So let's dive deeper into this then. What are some of the characteristics of stories and scenarios that are most useful for facilitating the learning? Um, well, I would definitely say um, there's always, you know, the, this issue of, of conflict. And conflict doesn't always have to be between two people. It can be within someone else. You know, um, you know tr stories are usually about uh, within one person themselves. Stories are always about a journey. And at least the, the ones that we can find useful, you know, as training development, we're talking specifically about stories of transformation. That's the type of story that this is where I was. I went through a change because of X, Y, Z, and now I'm this on the other side. And so I'm always looking for that, for that journey. And sometimes it's difficult to get that out of people because they often don't think it was a journey. They don't remember the journey. Someone just told them to do it and they did it. There was no quest, you know, to, to do it. Right. Um, and they forget about some of that, that internal work that they had to do in order to get into that position. So to be able to make that change. So I'm always looking for um, a change, a, tr a transformation. Uh, I have a, a master's in education, but I also um, have a master's in writing as well. And one of the things that they used to always um, torturous with was, why are you telling me this story? And it, the story had to earn the right to exist. And one Ooh. of the ways that it had to earn that right was through a change in the character. If, the ch if there is no transformation or if there is no change, then what's the point? We see it in movies. We see it in books sometimes where we leave unsatisfied. We may not know why, be able to articulate it. But a lot of times it's because this character didn't go through a redemption arc. They didn't go to a change. Or sometimes it's so heavy handed. We're like, okay, I get it. Road movie means change, <laughs> means journey. I get journey to himself, yada, yada, yada. You know, sometimes it's just so <laughs> you know blatant. Um, but sometimes it's done just right where you don't really see really get that this character is transforming until they ultimately get to, you know, the, the end of it. And, and ultimately sometimes we're transforming with that person. So, um, I'm always trying to, um, get to the heart of that. Like, where do people start? What about this content can change them and how are they going to be on the other side? So that transformation is key. Ooh, am I hearing a little bit of the hero's journey in this? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's awesome. all of this is about the, you know, the hero's journey. I mean, it's so many steps to that journey. Um, I always just sort of go, you know, there's always that, um, the ordinary world setting that up, what the world looks like right now, how you're acting in that world, and then going through what you need to go through. And I always say that story is in the middle part. Sometimes we focus on I was here and now I'm there. That's not the story. The story is the oscillating back and forth in the middle where you know you have to make a change, but you don't want to make the change or you're scared to make the change or you thought you made the change and you didn't make the change and you're confronted with all these different obstacles. That's where the story is. And that's um, what, what people want to hear. And that is what can help them make their own transformation. Um, it's, it's not about beginnings and endings. It's about the middle. 
I love it. The journey. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Now, um, what are some common mistakes that people make when they're doing the, uh, or creating the stories and scenarios? Sometimes we sort of lose, I think, the reason why we're using this as a strategy in the first place. And a lot of time that has to do with the reluctance on the behalf of the subject matter experts so, or your sponsors or what have you. So what happens is you end up creating what I call a word problem where um, you just take a SME story and slap a name on it and say Sally. And then it's sort yeah. of like she has three apples, two apples go away. Now, how many apples does she have? You know, that's just sort of your your story. Um, But that's a very content focused story. You're you're, you're pretending as though it's a journey, but it's not. It's, 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 you know, there's another question they would ask us in that master's program is whose story is this? And if it's the story of the, the company and the content, that's fine. Be honest about it. But if it's Sally's story, then you have to talk to people who are like Sally and find out what her story is and, and tell it in a way that's compelling. Um, you know, it's I, another issue I think that comes up a lot is, you know, I say that instructional designers have to have this host of, ima- of uh, magical skills. Right. You know, um, you just want to help people learn, but you're a voiceover actress now. You're a green screen actress. You're a screenwriter. You're a voiceover. You mean, you're all these, you're a graphic <laughs> yeah. designer, all of these things that people work really hard for decades and decades to be. And yet here you are, a screen writing a script, you know, for two characters that's supposed to be so interesting and compelling that keeps people holding on. And, but that's a whole separate skill. It's a whole separate skill altogether that has nothing to do with your ability to design instruction. It really doesn't. So I would say another mistake is is not really studying the craft of, of writing. And I'm not really saying that you must do that either, but just know that the, the stronger you are in that uh, ability to write and um understanding how people interact with each other, understand that a lot of times it's what's not said that matters more than what is said. Um, Know that people hesitate and hedge their bets when they talk to each other. They're not always so revealing. Those types of human things uh, of how people interact with each other, not really understanding that can make a scenario come off as very inauthentic. And then you've lost the whole point. You may have just have stuck with a content-based approach, uh, which is viable. Like you can do, you can do that and still have a good class. Not every class has to be uh, a sweeping um, story. So uh, I guess that's another one too, is making sure you're using the right tool for the right job and that storytelling is really going to get you the results that you want and that you have the time um, to do it, you have the willingness to get that information from your subject matter experts, which is usually the biggest barrier, and that you have, um, you know, done your homework for how to tell the story right. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot involved, a lot of different roles. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot, um, you know, and I'm just telling people, you know, you, you got to watch movies, you know, <laughs> movies. Yeah, hey. You, no problem. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> watching movies is, is was probably my biggest teacher when it comes to this this type of stuff. Um, and you know, not just like, oh, this is great, but really saying, you know, why do I feel so much compassion for this awful character? You know, just yeah. sort of the the art and the flow of of how people you know talk and how they act around one another, and um, you know, that's one of the one of the because we because I you know I would say of course 
read, you should read books as well, but we're visual storytellers, you know, when it comes to yeah. developing a lot of this stuff. So being able to, you know, see it on the s- screen, I, I say that um, I have a, um, a lost period in my life. It's, I think it was five years, but I think if I did the math, it was probably about two years. Um, but all I did was play The Sims. That was it. Sims, Sims. I would come home and play The Sims. Really? All day, <laughs> all night long. And I kicked myself for wasting so much time on that. At the same time, I'm so happy I did <laughs> because I learned, you know, just not I'm just storytelling with The Sims, but I learned just layout and how, you know, distance and perspective and realism on the screen, you know, without having to go to, you know, some sort of school to do it. So, you know, taking inspiration from, from wherever you can, I think, um, I think is important. So, yeah. I love it. So observe life essentially. Yeah. Be a, you know, be nosy. And all that stuff. Yeah. Watch yes, movies. I love ask it. questions. <laughs> be, be engaged in all that is around you as much as you can. Um, but yeah, I would say that, you know, ultimately one of the big uh, resistance that, that people get is when we say story, you know, they, you know, people think Cinderella, you know, they think it's going to be something, something corny and, and, you know, it's a (laughs) double-edged sword to that because we as instructional designers aren't, don't always do ourselves a whole lot of favors by, uh, you know, turning in something that isn't good and then saying they don't like it because they don't like change you know they don't like it because of this that and the other but it could just be the way you executed it they don't like so uh yeah there's uh you know there's a lot to it but that that is one of the big obstacles is getting people to buy into this as a viable strategy yeah now along those lines um you mentioned a little bit of your process can you walk us through uh, on a high level because i know there's a lot involved but on a high level walk us through your development process of a learning scenario um usually what i do you know first i have to uh, it starts with the objectives right i mean that any story that i'm going to spend that kind of time and resources on um, has to be grounded in some sort of in, in performance. Um, so I think that's important. And I, I mentioned that it may seem like a no brainer, but it, it really easy, easy to get seduced by ideas and sort of lose the, lose the plot there literally, yeah. um, and create stuff that's not based in performance and, people when people sort of want to start cutting that's usually the first to go but if it's grounded in some sort of ultimate performance at the end you're more likely to get support for it and um, keep it in 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 the core so i look at what those behaviors are 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 going to be i look at what content is going to support those behaviors because i cannot write a story unless i know what this person needs to do. So I have to get clear on that. So, you know, what is this outcome? What is the content that supports that outcome? And then the next step is who is living this outcome, right? So once I have that information or at least some sort of idea, high level of what needs to happen and how they need to do it, that's when I can start, uh, you know, approaching my subject matter experts or whoever, who, what have you and say, so, you know, in the content, I ran across this situation and supports the objectives. Tell me about you living this situation. You know, if it's a retail organization and it's about working with customers and dealing with escalation issues, um, I know that you have this new five part process for escalating. 
of course, I can come up with some drag and drop and, you know, whatever, so they can memorize the five steps. But I want you to tell me about a situation where um, you ran into a customer that was irate and it had to be escalated. And then let's talk about how this content could have fixed that problem, right? So they just have a story session, you know, where they walk me through that. I I have this template that I use called the story spine. And the story spine is more, it's, I didn't make it up. It's an improv tool. Um, and it's a more sort of um, minimalist version of the hero's journey. And what's great about it is that it focuses on transformation. It sort of starts with that. Um, once upon a time, and then it has that event that changes everything and the consequences of that event, and then what was ultimately gained at the end. Um, and I think that's super important because any subject matter expert, expert can just wax poetic about something heroic that happened. And then you have to ask that person at the end of that template, and what did you gain from that? What did you learn from that? Right. And yeah. then it's a whole different, you know, sometimes it's a different discussion. So once you do it a couple of times, they understand what the kind of stories you're looking for. Because don't assume that they know what you're talking about when you say story. Don't assume that you they know what you're talking about, that they're going to put it in the format that you want. So the, using some sort of template or some sort of guide to help you sort of extract that is, is good. And so if you do this a number of times, which I do, I may have about 10 of these pages. And then from there, when I'm off in my um, designing somewhere, I have all of these resources. I may mix and match stories or characters or, or what have you, um, find out what all these 10 stories have in common and build a character off of that. Um, and all of this, of course, is still grounded in that and, and that, that performance. And so then how I use it after that depends on the course, depends on the length of the course, depends on whether or not I'm doing one long scenario or individual scenarios, small ones, um, you know, because I know for me personally, um, most of my work is not just for one audience, you know, it's for yeah. the whole company, you know, so trying to pick one character that's going to engage with this content the same way can be difficult. So, you know, sometimes I'll have a main narrator, then I'll have all these little vignettes that uh, addresses different aspects of the topic. So it depends from there, but oh, the cool. hardest part is getting those stories. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So now once you've developed that learning scenario, how do you, how do you test it to make sure your learners can connect with it? You know, I work externally. So, you know, the, my biggest challenge is, of course, just having it go through a review process. I'm trusting my client to um, find the right people, and, you know, and see if it works. And so that's the that's the number one thing. You know, we have, of course, the the initial reviews where the subject matter experts see whether or not they their voice was heard and whether or not it really reflects reality. Then of course you go to alpha beta and you go through pilot. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's much different than I do if it were um, simply content and there were no stories. It's not, it's not terribly different. Either it resonates or you know, it doesn't resonate. I know 
I know that if it's not working out here, <laughs> you know, they'll definitely <laughs> tell me that this doesn't work or if that doesn't work. Um, but um, to be able to, you know, Noah said that that story you told on slide 25 changed my life. I haven't had that yet. <laughs> Maybe if I worked internally, I would have no one stop me in the street and say, hey, I took your class, changed my life. Um, maybe one day. So usually um, no news is good news. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So, yeah. Oh, now before we get to rapid fire, is there any other tidbits you'd like to share with our audience on designing or developing learning scenarios? Yeah, um, I think one thing that maybe we as instructional designers may lose sight of sometimes is that asking people, even just as subject matter experts, to give us information, it's it's a kind of a vulnerable position to be in, you know, that we're putting them in. You know, give us, you know, you have never met me before, especially as an external resource. I have to specialize in making people feel comfortable with me immediately. And now just tell me everything you've ever done. <laughs> you know, give me all this info. Tell me why your job exists. Make it good, you know. Um, and yeah. it just puts them in a, and then to go now ask them to tell me a story about a possible failure. You know, I'm asking for the pain points. I'm asking, what did you do wrong? And how could this content help you, help you do it right? That's a pretty vulnerable position to be in. For a lot of people, these jobs they've had for so long are are their whole life. And you're documenting now these mistakes they've made. And I think um, I just empathy and compassion and being able to share your own failures. And, you know, again, another, I say magical skill number 720 is to be a journalist, <laughs> you know, be an investigative journalist and a documentary filmmaker and be connect with people and have compassion and show that you are also willing to share in ways that you're asking them to share. Oh, that's awesome. I love the perspective that you bring to this. This is great. Hadia, at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guests five rapid-fire style questions. Each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. Are you ready? I don't know. Let's try it. <laughs> <laughs> Give us one book that all talent development professionals must read and why. You know, one book that I think is super important, and I think this is, well, I guess it could be for anyone, but anyone who develops, whether it is um, instructor-led materials or e-learning, is the Non-Designers Design Book by Robin Williams. Um, I think mm -hmm. it's just such a great crash course in visual design and visual communication. Nice, nice. Give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. I would say, uh, well, one tool that I'm I'm using now um, that I'm learning is be, as you know, because of all of this um, being remote is Mentimeter um, and learning how to build engagement in new ways beyond you know, talk to each other and, you know, pass papers around and all of that stuff. Um, but how to get them to, you know, collaborate on that all as one group together and showing those results on the screen and how that's going to interplay. So I've been experimenting with that a lot. Um, and um, it's, it's been fun. It's more out of necessity than desire, but we'll see. 
Nice. Well, you never know who this could help. Tell us, what is the best piece of talent development-related advice you've ever been given? You know, I'm going to say specialize. I know I hear a lot about being a, a jack of all trades, which I pride my, prided myself in being. People never really mentioned the second part of that phrase, which is master of none. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I have learned as I've matured in my career that, you know, where people, what people want to pay for and what people want is deep knowledge. You know, deep knowledge about specific things and um, awareness of other things. So I would say that that early um, advice uh, to you know find a topic, hold on to it, get deep knowledge in that, but at the same time at least have you know cursory awareness of the other ones, and then also know who to talk to if you need help on those other ones. <laughs> Makes complete sense. What is one thing that you're excited about that's coming up in the coming year? Um, I have a strong interest in um, quality assurance, which is not a topic that um, we talk about a lot. It's something that is the bane of my existence um, as a developer, and I'm always looking for some sort of body of knowledge that we can pull on. So I'm interested in um, exploring that topic and seeing what I can make of it as a way to contribute to the L&D community. Love that. Now, last question. Tell us what is one thing within our chapter or industry that you are deeply grateful for right now? You know, it, it's interesting when I went on my own, one of the things that I never really was crazy about was being told what to do necessarily and sort of that dependency on other people. And um, I learned very quickly that as a freelancer, your whole life is dependent on other people <laughs> and the winds of change and time <laughs> and whether or not anyone will randomly hire you at any time. So I, I guess I'm just completely grateful for my clients who have stuck with me through this whole period in all whole 10 years and who have continued to support me and believe in me and, and hire me. Oh, well, Hadia, we are so happy you joined us today to share your wisdom with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and of course, uh, thank you to my co-hosts. Yes, Hadia, your work is very interesting. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we so appreciate your time. And of course, any opportunity to bring storytelling to the forefront and let people know just how powerful it can be in training. I am always excited about that. So thank you so much. Hey, thank you. And of course, many thanks to our community for listening. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Do you need help with a project? Not a problem. Check out our network of local talent development experts by visiting dcatd.org forward slash consultants directory. Would you like to be even more involved in our wonderful community? Go to dcatd.org and click on volunteer to get started. Mm -hmm.